Please listen carefully. Welcome to Autism in the Wild, the show that talks about what it's really like living with autism. Here are your hosts, Noah and Chris. Alright, welcome to another episode of Autism in the Wild. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Noah. And today our, our guest is Jason. He's from Seattle. And Jason, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yes, uh, my name is Jason, uh, founder of Lucky Kid. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me on the uh, today's podcast. And like um, I myself, like a lot of listeners to the podcast, I'm also a special needs parents. Uh, I have a 10 years old son that he had, was diagnosed with his autism and ADHD at age three. And that is kind of the reason why I started my business three years ago, as we are trying to find solutions to help him. Uh, we realized there's a lack of affordable sensory product out there in the world. So we want to create product that not only help him, but also help other kids like our son. So that is kind of what has been motivating us to keep the business going and also help the family win our communities. That's great. So tell us um, a little bit about the, the beginning of your journey and maybe you know how, how, you, how you got the diagnosis of mm-hmm. your son and then what led you to up to where you are today. Yeah, of course. So this is um, kind of an interesting story. So back in 2013, when uh, my son was three, um, we used to live in Japan back then when we first heard or learned about uh, our son's diagnosis. And the reason we even find that out is because um, my wife keep on noticing that he's just very different, in, especially in the playground when he's in like a, a play date with other uh, friends. He does not interact with any other kids in his similar peer. And he, of course, he was, he was actually also nonverbal at that time, even so he was already uh, turned three. And that was raising a few red flags. So uh, my wife decided to check it out, uh, have it, him diagnosis while we're living in Japan. But then shortly we find out about the diagnosis, we realize in Japan, like a lot of Asian country, is lack of res- it's very um, lack of resources and lack of opportunities. The whole, I think the main reason is because there's a huge social stigma around mental disabilities and mentals, um, mental issues that lead to people doesn't really want to talk about it. People tend to pretend it doesn't exist or pretend there's nothing wrong with their kids, especially something like autism because it's uh, invisible disabilities. People don't really know. I mean, you can try to hide it as much as you can, but at the end of the day, it is really hurting the kids' chances. So we decided to move across Pacific Ocean and to the United States uh, back in 2015, actually, uh, to hopefully find a better opportunity for him. And that's kind of how we started our um, journey, um, finding solutions and finding help. And I know a lot of parents that who, if you just recently started this journey, this is a long road. And I think it's, it's very important to explore all the different opportunities so we can find the best solution for our kids um, in the future, so. Yeah, we, we started our journey in 2003. So we have 10 years uh, head start on you, I guess. But 
So yeah, so moving, wow. So moving, I've heard of families moving to get, you know, to be in a better community for resources. Uh, you know, in, in, we're in Iowa and, you know, maybe to a bigger city or just that kind of thing. But moving all the way from one country to another country, that was, did that take a big leap? And how hard of a decision was that for you? It was a very difficult decision because you are you pretty much because my wife's Japanese, I'm from Taiwan, I'm Taiwanese. So moving to US is a big commitment, especially for my wife, because I have some education in US. I actually went to high school and college in California. So I have a little bit of advantage as far as language wise, but my wife doesn't speak any English when we first moved here. So it was a huge transition for her and for our family to move everything and kind of give up everything that we had just to make that decision because but i think we made the right move since um since we are able to move to the state we're able to find a lot more therapy opportunity for him and uh, right now he's fully verbal he was my son is actually nonverbal until all the way until close to age six or five or six i believe and i think it's after we make that transition and move to the united states that really help him as far as the language development and uh, help him to to able to control a lot of his more uh, emotional outbursts as well. And of course doing, I mean, right now is a very difficult time, difficult time because of COVID, every family is staying home. So we are, we are actually seeing more emotional outbursts from him compared to before, but that is that just the way it is right now, so. Yeah, our, our son is, no, and it's Bryce, they're twins and they're sort of 19 and, uh, once school kind of closed and uh, kind of all the routine stuff that closed down, um, our son Isaac, he he was kind of struggling with it for maybe a week. Yeah. And then after that, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, I have a different routine now. Yeah. He's very understanding of that sort of stuff. Yeah. It didn't, I think if this would have happened when he was um, younger, like four or five years ago, mm-hmm. it would have been extremely difficult. Yeah. So now that he's older, he has other things he can occupy himself with. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it would have been pretty ugly <laughs> about five or six years ago for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so you made the move to the, to the States. You're, you're finding more therapies to help your son. He's improving. And then you decided to um, start a business. Is that is that how that went? <laughs> um, kind or, of. So what, so what made it, maybe describe what your name of your business is again, and then what yes. motivated you to start it? Yes. So my business is called Lucky Kid. It's spelled as L-A-K-I-K-I-D. And we are a product design company. We design sensory products, sensory toys for kids with mostly sensory processing disorders, which is very common in the autism space. Mm-hmm. But um, it could be also for kids with ADHD. And like I mentioned earlier is we just, we created this brand is because we are looking for product for this, um, our son, but we are also looking for additional way to make additional income. Because as you know, when we first moved to the United States, our insurance does not cover APA. And he was doing intensive APA therapy, I think 20 hours a week. And that is very, very expensive if you have done any kind of APA out of pocket is almost um, impossible if I don't find additional way to compensate the income for us to continue the therapy. So that 
that's actually the two main reasons why we started the business. Of course, first of all, is trying to create product that can help our son. But second of all, also find additional way to supplement uh, our income because I'm the only one in my family that's working. And this has been my passion project because I still have a day job on top of running like a kid as a business. So trying to, try, trying to balance everything is very important and uh, also uh, is critical as far as uh, finding the right balance. Yeah. What kind of products do you offer? I know they're like sensory, um, they're more like sensory products to help people to help people with autism and ADHD, but can you give some examples of what those would include? Of course. So our main categories, I think right now, there's a few different categories. One of the big category we just, uh, of the product that we design is really uh, in the flexible seating category, which is very popular in school and classroom. Of course, you can use it in the homeschool setting. The whole idea is to use different product. For example, instead of sitting on the chair, you can sit on one of our yoga ball with leg on it. So the, the yoga ball doesn't roll around when uh, the kid's not sitting in it, but it's just an alternative. It's also often called alternative sitting. And a lot of the students, uh, I mean, uh, classroom use it. And most of our products designed for at the elementary school age. So also we have different product like Wego C is also very popular in the special education space. We also have different fidgeting items and fidgeting toys for the kids to use. Usually is, is a great um, for in, um, energy um, release and you help them to stay on task while they are fidgeting. We also have different products like weighted blankets and different weighted products that help kids that need those uh, additional sensory input because um, it depends on the kid, of course. Some kids is more sensory seeking, some kids is more sensory avoiding. So you, you can't, I think parents just need to try what kind of product will work for their kid. Because for example, my son actually doesn't really like weighted blanket, even so we designed them, but some kids actually see a, a, a benefit from using a weighted blanket. But my son really enjoyed using like fidgeting item because he's more, fidgeting, then he is like, um, he, he need a lot of those additional uh, sensory input. So th those are a couple of the different examples that we have uh, create and design. So. Cool. I remember being in fourth grade, it's like 2010. I had a fourth grade teacher who was probably the first teacher in our school who transitioned entirely from like standard chairs to exercise balls for yes. chairs. And it it worked so well because you had kids who have a lot of energy sort of like they're moving around a little bit, but they're not distracting themselves. And they were more, they worked better. They're more focused and it made a better environment. So I can see what you're talking about with how these can help not just people on the spectrum and with ADHD, but with people, just kids in general. I 100% agree. And we truly believe in uh, trying to create a sensory inclusive environment. And uh, one of the big, one of another very unique product that we designed is actually a product we designed for a nonprofit organization uh, called Culture City. They are pretty big in the special education space. I don't know, have you either of you heard of this organization before? No, no. So Culture City is an international nonprofit organizations. They have, uh, their program is in US, Canada, UK, and Australia. 
The one of their biggest program for the special uh, needs space is called Sensory Inclusive Initiative. Uh, you can find their programs on their website at culturecity.org. It's culturecity with a K in the beginning. But what they do in the program is they will go to uh, different locations like NBA stadiums, football arenas, zoos, aquariums, um, cruise ships, and even some of the airports. They'll go to all these locations and try to make the location sensory inclusive by providing different sensory items for free for the family that is attending or um, going to those locations. So one of the, I guess, the uh, um, modification they do is they will provide sensory bags. Inside the sensory bags have noise-canceling noise headphones, uh, fidget toys, and one of our products, which is a weighted blanket that kids can ride on using a water pen. It's, so it's an interactive weighted blanket that we designed for the kids to use in the portable environment. And on top of that, the Culture City program also provides training for older staff, which is very important, especially for the kid, for the people that's not aware of the sensory processing challenges that a lot of those families facing when they go to an NBA game. Of course, this is a very unique year because everyone's doing watching the game virtually. But in a typical year, when you actually go and watch the game in person, then you'll notice there's all the sound, all the light, all the noises could be sensory overwhelming for those kids that have sensory issues. So Culture City's program is trying to alleviate that and by providing trainings, providing tools. On top of that, they also help those stadiums to build sensory rooms, which is essentially a quiet space that the family can go to in case a kid is having a meltdown or having a tantrum. So that's the whole idea of the pro program. And we designed one of the our product to be specifically to be used in Culture City's program. So that, that's one of the ongoing uh, collaborations uh, I'm really proud of and I truly believe in because um, just a quick story I want to share is Culture City's founder, he himself also have a kid with autism. He created that nonprofit because he believed and he wanted to create a better and a sensory friendly or sensory inclusive environment for kids with all abilities. And I really truly believe in that. And that is one of my core mission with my business is trying to make that happen. My long-term vision is actually to expand my business, hopefully one day to be, be big enough that I can actually go back to Asia and help the family over there. Because if you look at US, there's so many companies, so many services, so many opportunities for the families with different sensory needs or issues. But if you look at the same situation in Asia, this kind of help, this kind of services is almost close to non-existent in Asia. Like even if you look at a country like Japan, one of the most technical advanced country you can imagine. But when you come to mental disabilities, when you come to special education advocacy, it's just not there. I would say they are 50 years behind the United States when you come to special education, which is a very sad thing to think about when, you, when, when you're considering all the millions, if not billions of people that live in Asia, different Asian countries that have this kind of issue, but they couldn't find a way to help their kids. And I went through that myself with my wife because we're in the exact situation a couple of years ago that we couldn't find that kind of help. So that's something I feel I truly feel a lot of passion for, and that's the reason why I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing 
is to help other families like ourselves. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, no, you mentioned the school. Mm-hmm. I remember I think yeah. in sixth grade you had something on your lap too. Right? I don't remember. I know. I don't think so. Okay. No. I, there's probably some other venues other than like uh, big sports arenas and stuff too. I think um, churches or places of worship could could use uh, like a sensory friendly environment. Um, sitting through a church service for some kids is hard. Um, and so I think there's probably a lot of a lot of use cases for a sensory friendly environment. So yeah, that's that sounds that's pretty cool. You know, I think we've we find or at least I've seen, you know, people who are doing this kind of work, you know, podcasting, um, building products for kids, um, you know, doing the, the culture was culture culture city yeah culture yeah doing that are people who are personally affected by you know autism or whatever it is they're doing and and these are the people that are you know finding solutions for them their family or their loved ones and so people are going to be very passionate about it like yourself you know you can just hear the passion in your voice which is great to hear yeah and that's one more story i haven't shared yet is I myself, I also realized I have ADHD after I did a whole bunch of different research about my son. The more I researched I did, the more I realized I'm checking all the boxes myself because my son has autism, ADHD. I don't have autism, but I, I just realized I have ADHD a couple years ago when I started to do all the intensive research I was doing for my son. And it kind of explained my childhood story because I went to five different high school because I just couldn't focus in class and my parents have a lot of issues with me and keep on trying to change me to different environment because I just couldn't do a very good job in school. I couldn't sit still, I couldn't focus. And I didn't know that when I was a kid, I just keep on thinking I was just a bad student. And I think that happened a lot in in the newer diverse uh, communities that a lot of the people doesn't really realize they have autism or ADHD diagnosis when they become adult which is also kind of sad when you hear think about it, so. Yeah. Yeah, so how is your experience with autism and ADHD and the whole business with uh, Lockheed Kid, how has that changed you fundamentally as a person? I think it gave me a very different perspective by talking to so many different families that's facing a similar issues. And it kind of made me feel more grateful with the opportunity I have, because luckily enough, I have the opportunity to move from Japan to US, but not all the family have that kind of opportunity and that to even make that choice, even if they want to. So sure. I'm just really grateful for what what God has provided uh, to me, as uh, to our family as opportunities. And I think there's a lot of struggles and a lot of uh, issues that we have overcome as a family that I think by sharing some of the story that will actually inspire some of the family that is currently in the in the hardship right now. Just to share one more story about the the journey. Shortly, I cre- shortly after me and my wife started this business, we actually um, got a very bad news that our daughter, uh, because we have three kids, uh, we have uh, have one son and two daughter. One of our older daughter was diagnosed with leukemia. Shortly, we started, I think a couple months, 
into starting and kicking off the new business. So it was very devastating news, as you can imagine, because it's not very it's not very easy treatment, and it was a very emotional moment for us. But fortunately, in the past, um, um, the the whole chemotherapy went through two and a half year before she finally was. Right now, she's in remission already. But it was a very, very, very tough journey. Imagine having a kid with autism, ADHD, and doing all the therapy. On top of that, I need to take my daughter to Seattle Children's Hospital every single week for her chemotherapy. On top of my day job and everything that's going on, and also trying to start a business on the side, the amount of stress, amount of chaos, the amount of like the tension within the family is just is is hard to describe. But I just want to share that story to know to for the family that's, that's struggling right now with the especially during COVID. I know a lot of the family that we interact interact with is is really struggling during this time. But just to let just to know there's always a light at the end of the ton tunnel. I think things happen to all of us for one reason. But I believe God doesn't give us more than what we can take. So everything happened to my family is for a reason. So I can take my experience and share it to the world, and hopefully help some of the family so they can overcome those. So I just want to share th that piece of my story to hopefully inspire some of the family out there that, despite of the the difficult time we're in right now, there's always going to be a light at the end of the tunnel, and we can overcome it together as a community. Yeah. Well. Thank you for sharing that. And first of all, I'm glad that your daughter's doing better. That's that's great to hear. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah. We you know we had two kids. You know, twin. Both of our twins were diagnosed at the same time, and then we had a another our, our son number three came along around that. You know, not too much longer after that time. Um, so our hands were pretty full, and it seemed a little crazy at the time. Um, how did you and, and your wife deal with all the stress? Um, so do you have any tips or advice for people who, you know, are, have a lot of stress and you're trying to balance things in your family and you're, you know, I think as parents, we try to do, we do everything for our kids first. And a lot of times we don't take care of ourselves. We don't take care of our, you know, our relationship with our spouse. So how did you find some balance with all that? I think for me, having some kind of daily routine for myself is really important. Like, um, because I have so many things going on, I have a very unique morning routine. I wake up at 5 a.m. every single day and I, I do my morning routine, including exercise, meditations, and um, grat like gratitude journal, journal every single morning. So having some kind of routine not just for your kids, which is also important, but for the parents is also critical. So I can still keep a little bit, a little bit piece of the sanity in me. Otherwise, I would just go crazy with everything that's going on. Yeah. So I think having some kind of like, especially morning routine that I, I have been doing this routine for a couple of years now. I mean, I, I'm always refining my my routine as as a as a father, as an entrepreneur. It's very important to have that kind of routine in place. So to, I, think, I think that's something for uh, people to consider. One of the wonderful book I would recommend it for the listener is called A Miracle Morning. It's a, it's a productivity book, talk about 
importance and the benefit of having a morning routine every single day. That's one of the good reads that um, I, I would definitely recommend some of the reader that's looking for uh, increasing their productivity as a person or also as a parent. So, Can you repeat the name of that book? It's called A, Mir a Miracle Morning. A Miracle Morning. Okay. It's a really good read. Yeah, one of the things I do uh, for myself is to go for run, is to exercise, and I, I like to run. That's very good, yeah. Uh, run is uh you know I, I feel like i can exercise and kind of meditate at the same time when i'm running because you're just kind of by yourself in nature and it's, it's very therapeutic for me um when i feel healthy and feel energized i'm a better father i'm a mm -hmm. better husband i'm a better work you know employee or owner just a better person so it's, it doesn't, it does seem like it's impossible sometimes to find time for yourself, but it truly is important to take a little, at least a little bit of time every day for yourself. Um, otherwise, I think people are going to go crazy <laughs> yeah. and get really stressed out. And then you get stressed out and you start to not feel very good. And that's just a bad uh, path to go down. Yeah, 100% agree, especially during this uh, quarantine time, because we are with our kids. 24 seven, like seven yeah. days a week. So having some kind of time that by yourself is, I think is really important for, for your mental health. So come say hi, come over here. This, this is Isaac. Can you say hi, hi to Jason? Hi, hey, hey. <laughs> what, what are you doing? Yes. I'm just chilling. Are you chilling out? Yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac likes to come in during our interviews and say hello, right? Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> How are you? Are you good? Yeah. Good. <laughs> He's in a good mood. Yeah. He wants to play Mario or no not bowling. Mario. Bowling. We bowling. We bowling after this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Noah, do you have another question you'd like to yeah. ask? Yeah. So what advice would you give parents when like in the beginning stages of someone who's just gone, like your kid's just been diagnosed with autism and like it's on the edge of the cliff and ready to, and ready to like jump going into the <laughs> unknown, essentially. Mm -hmm. I've seen the first critical step is trying to find a good support group. I know there's a lot of different support group on Facebook and different forum, but um, not every support group is created equal. So you need to find a support group that I think match with your personality and having someone that you can talk to that actually understand what you are going through is very, very important. And for those of us that already went through that, like I think your, I, I think your family is already like 10 years ahead of mine. So right now I'm actually going, going to go through all the different um, milestones that you already went through, like especially trying to figure out the transition trying to figure out like different IEP meeting, how to like all these different issues that is going to come up as a special needs parents is very, it's going to be very beneficial to trying to find a support group of other parents that also went, went through a similar um, issues. Unfortunately, we used to run a parent support group ourselves too, uh, with almost 3000 members, but since beginning of this year, because of COVID, we have to shut it down because we don't have the capacity to, to do it anymore. 
but I, I'm pretty sure there's still a lot of other uh, beneficial parent support group that you can join that's specifically either for autism or for ADHD or whatever your, uh, whichever your, your kind of issue that you are facing right now to find other parents that already been through, uh, already goes, goes through that and done that and have someone that you can talk to or even ask questions to. I think it's really, really important. Yeah, that's that's great advice. We joined a support group in our local community uh, when the kids were real small. And after a couple of years, my wife and I took over. The other people kind of transitioned out that were running it. And we transitioned in and we were happy to do it. And we had a nice uh, group going. And then over time, it kind of just like people stopped coming. I think these things like these groups kind of come and go. It's just kind of a natural. Um, but I would say nowadays, uh, you know, Facebook is, is probably a good place to go. Yeah. And one more piece of advice, yeah. because uh, since I, we used to run our own parent support group as well for two and a half years, one of the biggest issues I usually see is the communication between spouse, especially for men like, uh, like myself. I like to fix things. I don't want like, but for unfortunately, autism or ADHD is not something you can fix. You can only provide solution to really help alleviate some of the symptom, but you couldn't fix the kid from being autistic to be non-autistic. It just doesn't happen that way. So one of the most um, a very common issues that we see is the this uh, I guess argument between the mom and the dad, where the the dad tend to go into like um, re um, rejections and doesn't want to accept the fact that their kids have autism or have different dis mental disabilities. I actually went through that myself for the when I used when we used to live in Japan when I f first heard about the diagnosis. For the first couple of months, I just refused to accept that there's something wrong with my son. And I think that's a very common thing that unfortunately, a lot of us men and fathers that usually go through when they first heard about the diagnosis because we don't really interact as regularly with the kids as, mu as much as the mom do. So we only tend to see like the, the, the positive side. We, we don't really see the issue as much as, as, as the moms. So I think that's also what is usually going to cause a lot of tensions within the family when you have many, um, many different, um, I guess, argument around the same topic. So I think that's one of the things that between the, the spouse that you, you, it's very important to talk it over. So, yeah, that's, that's a great point, Jason. We, I think all of us have gone through a little bit of the de denial at first, right? Mm -hmm. Like my wife was definitely ahead of me on, on the diagnosis and knowing what was up. And it took me a little bit longer to kind of learn and accept, you know, what it was, but not only acceptance, but just communication. I think the parents, the caregivers or parents, whoever are taking care of the kids have to be on the same page in terms of what are you going to try? You know, what, what things you're going to try a schedule. I think it's really important to set a schedule and say, here's, here's the schedule and responsibilities for whatever it is. And sometimes, you know, you might, as a dad might have to do some things just not even related directly to the kids, but, you know, support around the house. So, you know, in that, in my case, my wife had more time 
to spend, you know, taking kids to therapies and doing all the things that we needed to do. So however you can help, um, it's really a matter of working together because we know some people that it, it just didn't, you know, their marriages didn't last because I think the, the stress got to them and communication didn't work. So yeah, it's, communication is so important and working together as a team, being on the same page, everything you said is spot on. Yeah, unfortunately, the, the diagnosis usually often lead to a divorce because of the communication issues. And it is a lot for a family to kind of overcome that uh, together. So having some kind of support system that people you can talk to other people is, I think, is really important. And that's also sounds like father support group. I, and I, I was actually in a few of them myself before. So I think it's, it's also good to kind of hear from the men as well, because sometimes a lot of the support group I was in is 95% moms. <laughs> so yeah. it's really hard as a man and as a dad to really go into that kind of conversation and try to try to share how you feel. So yeah. Yeah. My wife and I had the opportunity uh, many years ago to go to a, it was a weekend away, well, a weekend with your kids, but they had enough caregivers there to watch the kids that the parents got to go do some workshops and stuff and uh one of the sessions the moms went in one room and the dads went in another <laughs> and i think the dads got done in an hour and the moms could have been in there all day you know <laughs> but it was it was really good for the dads to like be able to open up and share um a little bit too i think having a good um facilitator really helped with that too so that but that was that was really good i think that is important to be able to talk dad to dad to yeah because it's yeah. different kind of perspective and that's going to be different issues yeah for sure that was a weekend you remember that that okay. was it was a weekend yeah that was a weekend the event is great they they hold it it's a local event it's called up with families um but we we called it up all night with families because mm. the kids are in the hotel and in a different space and nobody really sleeps well yeah, so no yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it was it was a really good experience mm -hmm. but yeah <laughs> um whatever okay so wind, wind wind this up a little bit here so any other advice that you'd like to share uh, about your journey or to parents that um you think people could um, pick up a tip or two that could be helpful. I think the one of one more tip is really never stop trying because you, you never know what work. I mean, for our son, we try so many different therapy like, but not all therapy is created equal, I guess. And it depends on the kids. Some kids reacted to it differently. And that's also true with different product. Like there's a lot of sensory product in the market, but just because it's, it's someone, it worked for someone else's kid doesn't mean it worked for your kid. So sometimes you just need to uh, try different items and see if that will really help uh, him or her to be focusing better or sleep better at night or even concentrate better in the classroom, especially doing the remote learning that everyone is doing right now. Mm -hmm. So just don't stop trying until you find the, the one thing that you think that would be very beneficial for, for your kid. So. Yeah, I totally agree. And one of the 
one of the approaches we took was we only tried one new thing at a time. So yes. we know if, if it helped, hurt, or it made no difference. Um, but you got to give it a good try too. You can't just quit after one or two days. Unless you see like uh, your child regressing, <laughs> then you, you know, stop trying that. But that's what we did. And that worked well for us. And like, like you said, a lot of things worked. A lot of things didn't. Um, some things worked for a while. And then they just, there was no effect. So uh, it's always good to just keep an eye on things and, and try. Do your, you know, do research, talk to people about it. Um, but you're right, um, trying different products too. Is, is a great idea. What is, what is your um, son's favorite product you guys have? Uh, he really liked the Wego C. When he was in the typical classroom, he actually carried that around. And it okay. is, we actually have it written into part of his IEP as accommodations. Yeah. So the teacher will always use it in the classroom. So. Yeah, Wiggle C. I could use one once in a while when I'm in long meetings. <laughs> 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 yeah, so you can kind of wiggle and get, yeah. Your, yeah, yeah. get your fidget out a little bit. But yeah. right now in homeschooling, uh, the one that he used the most is actually one of those uh, fidget chair band that we have that they can kick with their legs. It's like a fidget, a fidget toys or fidget tool that he can yeah. use while he's sitting and watching like videos because it's really hard to sit in front of a computer all day and just listen to teacher talking. So, yeah, I, I agree. Mm -hmm. Do we have any other questions for Jason? No, I think we covered what needed to be covered. Okay. Time. Jason, anything else you'd like to share? Um, so if you don't mind, I just want to kind of talk about one special offer we created for the mm -hmm. listener. So we have put together a special offer for all the listener uh, for one of our product is called a fidget marble maze. It's a small fidgeting items um, that we designed that have a small maze in it. It's a fidget toy pretty much, but it doesn't make any noises, but it's great for fine motor skills and fine motor movements. And right now we're offering all the new uh, customer for free, all they need to do is just pay for shipping. So they can find that special offer uh, at our website at luckykit.com forward slash offer. And that is, we created this offer because we want to try, we want to have as many people to try our product um, as, as possible. And and that's, that's the reason why we are only charging the shipping for it. So people can try the product and kind of understand and kind of hear our story from our perspective. And hopefully they can find the product to be beneficial, especially in during this uh, difficult time. And the item is great for uh, calm down activities. Uh, we, uh, we actually have it in our house in the countdown corner that we set up for our son. So when he does need an emotional break, he can go to his own countdown corner. And in the countdown corner, we have different items or different things that he can do that help him to self-regulate. So that's another thing that for the parents that doesn't have that kind of like countdown corner or like a comp, like a sensory room set up, having a few like fidget toys or items to set aside um, in case when the kids is having uh, emotional outbursts is really helpful, especially in during this time when the kids is at home all the times. So it's really important to have that kind of simple transition for your kids when they are having having issue emotionally so. great great yeah we'll post the link in the show notes so people can look that up 
For sure. I was sure that was you. Great. Thank you. All right. Well, Jason, thank you so much for being on our podcast. Some great stories. And I, I think people will have a few things to take away from this conversation. Um, number one being, if you think you're busy, listen to the Jason's story and realize you're, you've always got time to do something if you're balancing all of that <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, we appreciate you being on the, on the podcast and um, best of luck to you and your family. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thanks for listening.